Tonight of the subject of being used of God. Do you want God to use you? What would be some simple things that we could do where God would use us? I grew up playing sports. I was always a little bigger than most people. I'm sure you wouldn't guess that, but I weighed 11 pounds and 6 ounces when I was born. I played football in the fall, played tight end, played basketball in the winter, played baseball in the spring, raced motorcycles, taught water skiing at camps, loved sports, racquetball, ping pong, you name it. If they had a ball involved, I was, I was into it. But I'm going to tell you this, I never liked being on the bench. I want to be in the game. And God did not save his people to sit. He saved us to serve. And if we want God to use us in his service, there's a few things we could do. Our text tonight is found in Ezra chapter 7, verse number 10. I love this verse because it's just like a, a temple for what we ought to do. Here's what it says, Ezra 7, verse 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. One more time, for Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Let's pray tonight. Lord, I pray you be with us in these next 15 or 20 minutes. I pray that what is said and done here, Lord, will please you. I sort of struggled on what to preach tonight. I know this sermon has a little more to it than just taking the verse and expositing it. But I believe this is what you want me to do tonight. And Lord, I pray it will be a help. I pray for having been here that we might be a little bit closer to being the Christian you saved us to be. And Lord, this is the group of the church I'm sure this applies to. Folks who are willing to come out on a Friday night or like the pastors, drive 50 miles for a Friday night service. I pray you bless them for that. Lord, I ask for your help. I'm keenly aware of the fact that the arm of flesh will fail us, but your arm fails not. Please help me, Lord. We promise to give you the praise and the honor and the glory for everything that happens here tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. But I share four things here. And Ezra had decided to minister to others. He journeyed to Jerusalem to teach the people who had left the comforts of Babylon, where the Israelites had been for a long time, to go back to the land of promise, the city that God had promised them. Jerusalem, the city of peace. Ezra got there and he was startled with the lives of the people. I think he would be startled with the lives of the people in America today. By the way, it should not surprise us because the Bible says in the last days, perilous times will wax worse and worse. I'm 65 years of age. If you would have told me when I was 25 that we would have gay marriage in America... There'd be marijuana shops all across the country selling dope. I wouldn't have believed it. Of course, I also wouldn't have believed that Roe versus Wade would be overturned. God is greater. But I'm going to say this, the darker the night, the brighter the light. The more we battle things in the world that we live in today, the more we're needed. And we can't just put our head in the sand like an ostrich and say, well... Que sarah, sarah. No, God tells us to let our light shine. The Bible says we are to be ambassadors for Christ. 
co-laborers together with him. So what do we need to do? We'll find this here in the passage tonight to be used by God. I've told students in the past that if you really want God to use you, you need to be fat. That stands for something. You need to be faithful. You need to be available. You need to be teachable. Be easy to remember. Faithful, available, and teachable. But I'm going to give you a little more of that here tonight. Number one, to be used by God, we have to have a time of preparation. Do you know you're preparing yourself even by sitting here in a service on a Friday night? You're equipping yourself for the work of the ministry. If you listen, you'll learn things to the Word of God. That'll help you. I congratulate you. Don't ever be done learning. God tells us to continue to grow in the nurture and admission of the Lord. He tells us to do that. So are we growing? Are we becoming more like the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we better equipped to serve God this year than we were last year? We should be. That ought to be our goal. So we see preparation here. The Bible says that God always will use a prepared people. Always. I have told students for 43 years, there is a prepared place for a prepared person. How do you prepare yourself? Well, read things that will strengthen you. Spend time in the Word of God. Right? The entrance of thy words giveth light. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. The Bible shares these things with us. In 1 Samuel 16, God said, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. He's prepared something. And it was David. But it's not just with that. God provides the tools for the people who want to serve him today. In Genesis 24, Eliezer, who was Abraham's servant, was getting ready to leave and go find a bride for Isaac. And said this, he said he took ten camels, the camels of the master, for all the goods of the master were in his hand. You know what that means? God will give us what we need to get the job done. I don't know what job you need to be doing, or how God would have you serve him, but God will give you what you need to get the job done. That's a very encouraging thing. We prayed this morning before we ever left, Lord, keep us safe. Lord, use us. Be with the other groups. We, we need God to work in us and through us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you both to will, that's the desire, and to do the ability, what? Of his good pleasure. So God works in us to have the desire and the ability to do his will. It was Jesus who said, not my will, but thine be done. That's the Son of God saying that. I need God to help me. I need God to help me. To do his will, not my will. That's why God tells us that we have to crucify the flesh daily. We have to put ourselves to death. Because my flesh is very temporally minded. Cares about the here and now. But the Bible says that we ought to be concerned about that which is eternal. Everything we have here in this world, folks, is going to burn up. I do believe in global warming. It's going to happen real fast at one time. Every house, every car, it's all going to burn up. But that which is done for the Lord Jesus Christ will last. When we think about preparation, we think about the fact that it says about Ezra, he was a ready scribe. He was prepared. I think of the quote by Abraham Lincoln. He said, if I had eight hours to cut down a tree, he said, I'd spend seven hours sharpening my axe. Are you reading things that will help you to be a better Christian? 
to help you with that. So if we want God to use us, we have, first of all, to be prepared. Secondly, we must have a passion, a fire in us. I like to listen to podcasts. I drive a lot. And uh, I've been listening to a man who immigrated here from Iraq, and someone told me about him. He's a nominal Christian, at least. David Betpatrick is his name. And uh, I'll tell you what, he had a fire. I Googled him recently. He's worth $150 million today. He came in from Iraq. Just think about that for a little while. I listened to about five minutes one day, then I switched over to a a preaching one I wanted to hear from Ecclesiastes, but I listened to five minutes, and he was talking about how he was with some young guys when he was 19 or 20, and they got arrested at a club. And he said to the police, he said, let me go. He said, I'm going to make something in my life. He says, I will never be here again. And he said, I've never gone back to a club ever again. There was something greater in his life, something bigger. He said, this is not going to help me. He made a decision. So we have a situation here where a passion. Uh, when confronted with sin, Ezra had a heaviness in his heart. By the way, the Bible says fools make a mock of sin. Don't laugh at sin. Don't laugh at sin. It grieves God. It, God hates it. It ought to sadden us as well. Oh, look at that drunk guy in the gutter. Look at that guy wobbling down the street. How sad. How sad that is. So we ought to have a passion for the things that are right. Um, it affected his life. Look over at chapter 10, verse number 1, if you will. Chapter 10, same book, we'll stay just in Ezra, verse number 1. You talk about a passion for something? Listen to what it says about Ezra. Ezra 10, verse 1. Now when Ezra had prayed, and when he had confessed, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, assembled unto him out of Israel a very good congregation of men and women and children for the people wept very sore he prayed he confessed he wept later we find out he fasted it bothered him does it bother us when we see things around us that aren't right does it affect our lives at all there was a song that was popular when I was about 12 or 13 called Que Sera Sera. Whatever will be, will be. No. It should matter to us. It should matter. So we see he had a passion here when confronted. How about Peter after confronted with his sin? He wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. He knew he'd done wrong. By the way, he took the Lord's name in vain. He denied he ever knew Christ three times. But after he confessed his sin and wept, later on, Peter preached the Sermon of Pentecost. 3,000 people were saved in a single day. We get passionate about making sure our heart's right. Ladies and gentlemen, God is looking for a vessel. Only has to be two things. Not college educated. My wife and I both grew up in preachers. I was not being a preacher's kid. No. Clean and available. Clean and available. When I get a glass out of the cupboard, I just want one that's clean. It doesn't have to be crystal, fine china. I want something that's clean, clean and available, clean and available. And that's all God's looking for. That's called a vessel fit for the master's hand. So we see, first of all, prayer. Secondly, we see passion. I think of the man on the road to Bayes. Did not our hearts burn within us as we walked with him on the way? 
But thirdly, we see prayer. I believe that in the Christian life, there's five basic things we're all supposed to do. You're doing one of them tonight. We go to church. Secondly, we give to God. The tithe is the Lord's. He says to Malachi, you've robbed me. Where have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. The tithe is what we owe God. The offering is what we give to God. God doesn't tell us how much the offering should be. So we go to church. We give an offering. Then we read our Bible. The psalmist David said, early will I seek thee. I went for an hour walk this morning. I was in a hotel where the elliptical did not work well at all. It was a beautiful morning until the mosquitoes started coming out. Wowzer. <laughs> my goodness. Man, my hands were bloody from swatting them on me. At that point in time, I hastened back to the hotel. It was good for about the first four uh, The water was running really quick in the river. So I thought, you know, usually it's ponds and stuff. But no, they were, they, were, they were out and about. But before I ever walked out to do that, before I ever answered my emails or my text. I had some things I needed to do. I called the man that some of you may know, uh, Brent and Don Hawley. They graduated from West Coast about 17 years ago, went to Nicaragua as missionaries. Their son died yesterday, 17 years of age. So I dictated him a letter. I sent him a book and a CD. I called him today and told him I'd pray for him. But before I did that, I read a number of chapters of the Word of God. Why did I do that? Because the Bible says in Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things should be added unto you. After I did that, after I prayed, then I went for my walk. I showered, I got ready. I wrote some notes to the pastor I was with last night to his daughter who's been really sick and his wife who made the meal for us. I wanted to thank him. But first thing is God's word. So we go to church, we give, we read the Bible. But can I tell you this? In my opinion, those are the three easy things to do. If you haven't started, you can get in the habit of those things very quickly. But there's two more things that are harder to do. One is witnessing and one is praying. They're work. Witnessing and praying. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus says, I have commanded you and ordained you that you should bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. So God wants. But God also commands us to come to him. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. Think about that for a second. Prayer is asking and receiving. The Bible says in Jeremiah 33.3, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, Come boldly to the throne of grace, that you might find mercy and grace to help in time of need. God wants his people to talk to him. Ladies and gentlemen here tonight, God created you and I for two reasons. Just two. Here they are. Number one, to walk with him and talk with him. I'm going back to the Garden of Eden. He came down the cool of the day to walk with him and talk with him. Ever heard the song? He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me that I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none others ever know. That's why he created us. And secondly, to work for him. They were there to keep the garden before there was sin. Before there was sin. So God wants us to walk and talk with him and to work for him. How do we walk and talk with God? We pray to him. The song says, sweet hour of prayer. I know very few people have ever prayed for an hour of their life. In a day, 24 hours, there's 96 quadrants of 15 minutes. Now think about this. 24 hours, that's 96 segments of 15 minutes. Don't you think God deserves 
196 or 15 minutes a day. I often ask students, do you spend more time in Facebook or God's book? Now think about it. He created us to walk and talk with him. So we need to be people of prayer. He was broken before God. You can read about that in Ezra chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. Psalm chapter 34, verse 18 says, The Lord is nigh to them that are of a broken heart. He's nigh to them. He's close to them. And save us such as be of a contrite spirit. In Isaiah 38, we see that Hezekiah wept sore as he called out to God, and God extended his life by 15 years. Amazing. They prayed. God said, I've heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. We ought to pray with humility. Someone asked me about a preacher friend. He said, I, I believe he's a humble man. I said, I believe he is too. In and of ourselves there dwells no good thing. Every good and perfect gift coming from above. For the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. All good comes from God. All good comes from God. We need to realize that. So we need to ask him to help us. How did he get the power? It says in Ezra chapter 8, verse 23, we fasted and besought our God, and he was entreated of us. That means he heard our prayers. Fasting, that doesn't have to be food. It's good to do that when you maybe you skip a meal, say, I'm going to spend that time reading my Bible and praying. It could be giving up social media. It could be giving up TV. It could be giving up a dessert. And when you get ready, grab that dessert or something, or for some people, don't, don't stone me. It could be coffee. So I'm going to give it up for a week. Every time I think about coffee, I'm going to talk to God. Fasting is giving up something so we can spend more time with God. The Bible says that I quote, certain things come about only by fasting and prayer. When was the last time you fasted for something? An unsaved loved one. A healthy and a financial need. I'm praying for Dr. Ouellette every day. I try to do it twice a day. I'm writing him every week. A good friend of mine just came down with stage three cancer in his voice box and he's a preacher can you imagine that inoperable you know, chemo and radiation on his voice box I don't know about you that doesn't sound good to me the one thing I can do is pray he texted me I said thank you for all the cards I said I'm going to write you every week while you're going through this it encourages people if they know you're praying for them this is your home church I hope you pray for your pastor that'll help him I text my pastor every Saturday night and say, I'm praying for you to preach tomorrow. I text your pastor every Saturday and tell him I'm praying for him. He matters to me. When you take a church with a pastor, I'll put you on that list. I really will. Brother Kim said years ago, how can I say I love you and I don't pray for you? And that impacted my life. I spent about an hour and 45 minutes every Saturday praying for preacher friends. And I've texted them every Saturday for seven years except for one week I was in Sri Lanka and I had no cell service. I'm going to tell you, friends, God wants his people to pray. And finally, if we're going to be used by God, we must have the power of God. Ezra said this in Ezra chapter 7, verse 28, And I was strengthened as the hand of the Lord my God was upon me. I was strengthened as the hand of the Lord my God was upon me. I was big and relatively strong in high school, but not super strong. In my class, I may have been fifth or sixth strongest. 
We had a guy in my senior class who by ninth grade was the strongest guy in the school. He was a superstar athlete. He was a tailback on the football team, ran for 2,000 yards a senior year. He was also our middle linebacker, played power forward in the basketball team. He was our catcher on the baseball team. I know I saw him hit a ball one time. It went over 450 feet. It was unbelievable. His muscles had baby muscles that had grandbaby muscles. It was unbelievable. He looked like a bodybuilder. I saw him at our 35th high school reunion. He weighed within 10 pounds when he weighed in high school. That was very discouraging, right? But he was just, he was, he was the fastest guy in the school and the strongest guy in the school. He was in ninth grade. We had an all-CIF middle linebacker named Nelson. And we said, well, Joe's stronger than Nelson, ninth grade to 12th grader. And he beat him in arm wrestling. It was unbelievable. They were about the same weight, but Joe was just, poof. Best water skier I ever saw, best motorcycle rider, great ping pong player, and great in every sport he was at. Can I just say this? When I think about power, I like to team up with Joe. He was actually the power forward of the basketball team, and I was the weak forward, and I was six inches taller than him. But he was much stronger. He had better hops than me, and he could box people out like a maniac. But we played two on two together. It was great. I was a better outside shooter than him. And uh, I have really long arms. My sleeve length is 37 inches, so it's hard to block my shot. But one time we played a game on an outdoor court. It was a two-on-two tournament. There were some pretty good prizes or cash prizes. We made the final game. In two-on-two tournaments, you don't, you don't shoot free throws. So if you get fouled, you just take the ball out again. So I'd go for a jump shot. The guy would just knock me down. And I'm in the air, not very high, but I was in the air, landed my rear end. It was starting to hurt. I started flinching and missing my shot. And Joe said, don't let it bother you. I go, he's knocking me down. He goes, he won't do it anymore. Really? He walked over the guy and says, if you knock him down again, you're going to be really sorry. Now I want him to knock it because I want to see what would happen. It's going to be great. <laughs> well, I went off of the elbow, went up for a jump shot. The guy pushed me right in the chest, knocked me down. Joe walked over to him. If I'm lying, I'm done. He picked him up by the waist and threw him into a little palm tree on the side of the court. And they had big old thorns. The guy was wearing shorts and a tank top. He screamed, scratched, bloodied. They called a foul on Joe, double foul. The guy never pushed me again. <laughs> he was really strong, right? Uh, you know what, folks? God is greater. God is greater. And when you think about this, you realize that we have his power behind us. It was great when I had Joe Binion on my side. But how much better to be on the side of the creator of the universe? Amen. We're from the desert area in California. It's a, a high desert, about 2,400 feet up. It has beauty, beautiful sunrises and sunsets, but it's desert. Up here in Montana, I don't, man, we've seen some beautiful stuff. I put a picture on Twitter yesterday. I said, what a beautiful creation. But I said, as great as a creation is, think how great our creator is. He made this world in six days. Right? Realize we have power. You don't have to do it by yourself. He wants to work in you and through you. So you've listened well. My time is up. Remember, God wants us to prepare. God wants us to have some passion. Be excited about it. God wants us to pray. And God wants us to have his power working in us and through us. And when we have that, I believe like Ezra, we can see God do some great things. Let's pray tonight. Lord, I